Hello and welcome to Relationship Rescue, the podcast every relationship begins with you and every relationship does begin with you. That is the truth and as I've said it before, I love my tagline. Every relationship begins with you and it ends with you. And whatever relationship you are in right now is on you. No one else, you. Does not mean I don't empathize or have massive compassion for you. It does not mean that I don't feel pain for my clients when they come to me or feel pain for my, um, my, uh, my group students. I do. But when you are aware of what is going on, when you are aware that you are in an unhealthy, toxic relationship and you have a part and you do nothing, then that says you like where you are. That sounds absurd, doesn't it? Yeah, but guess what? People that don't like where they're standing, change it, they heal it, they fix it, they find a solution. So if you're standing where you are and you've done nothing about it, then that means you're okay where, where you are. So you're either okay or you're not. And today what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain some of the um, unconscious deals that we make in um, unhealthy relationships, in toxic relationships, right? So, um, you know, these are some of the things that I've heard over and over. And these are patterns that are deeply embedded in many, many people, right? So I'll hear the, um, I always, um, let's see, I always have problems in relationships with women, or say, I always have relationships and problems with men. This is the same scenario on each side of the coin, right? Um, I get close, then they leave. Then I find another one. He or she eventually leaves. They never seem to last longer than a year. Well, you know, um, I thought it was just bad luck. I thought, you know, maybe, but then maybe I realized I have something to do with this pattern, right? Um, and what could it be though? I, I, I didn't understand. And, you know, then when I show someone, well, how is this experience you keep re-experiencing, mimicking your childhood experience in some way with, <laughs> with the people that you were closest to? It always comes back to that. I promise you, you will see a pattern in your relationships that you are recycling with new faces, different places and new faces, but the same old pattern from your childhood experiences every single time, right? So, um, or I'm constantly um, attracting the narcissist. I'm constantly attracting the needy person. I'm constantly attracting the dismissive avoidant, you know, and um, this isn't about explaining all of those different types of um, attachment styles today. I've had plenty of episodes on attachment styles if you'd like to go back and look, but it's basically about, we keep basically making unconscious deals with the same type of person. But again, different places, Diff new faces. That's all that's different. And maybe sometimes it gets a little bit worse. Maybe you go from a dismissive avoidant to a narcissist that pushes you over the edge to finally heal. Right? So one of the unconscious deals, because I, I want to look into this, is um, blame. Right? 
So think of it this way. So one of the ways that we keep the blame going in a relationship is the classic pattern is basically there's a long suffering um, person. One of the people are is always going to suffer. The husband, the wife, the man, the woman, whoever, right? And then there's the bad guy. The bad person, the one that keeps messing up, and that, and then she or he keeps picking up after the bad guy, and the basically the relationship continues by what agreeing that he is the bad guy, I am the good woman. But guess what happens if he ever gets better? What's going to happen? The relationship's over, so he has to keep messing up because if he doesn't keep messing up, then the relationship is over, right? So that's codependency um in a in a in a nutshell kind of right so so it's the the rescuer she's the rescuer picking up after him loves picking up after him because then she doesn't have to focus on her own issues and she can blame him but all she's doing is enabling him to stay in victimhood. Why? Because it serves her in some way. It makes her feel good. He won't abandon her. And you can swap these roles. And he gets to stay the victim. He gets to keep messing up so somebody takes care of him, right? Then another way that people can play the blame, um, this unconscious deal, is it's the partners are united in blame, okay? Um, the political establishment is wrong. And the relationship is dedicated to fighting against it. Um, you're united in hate against another group. Um, you're not, you're united in staying healthy. You're united in something. Okay. Um, and basically it's, um, it's a, it's a way to avoid looking within, looking at yourself. So blame keeps the attention focused on the externals, the political organization, the health of somebody, right? Um, the hate against somebody. Okay, and that's necessary, right, in order to stay together. Otherwise, without that blame, you then each have to look within and the relationship dissolves. You don't want to do that. So then we also, kind of a, a subcategory of blame is projection. It's the moment we forget that, guess what? Um, you know what? We are the source of whatever is happening in our life. And it's most, it basically becomes like... Um, you're not taking responsibility for your feelings that you see in others. So if I were to say to you, you look bored, you look angry, right? Now, obviously, there are, there are times when, yes, I somebody would say that. But in situations where we're in blame or we're in an unhealthy relationship and I'm going to feel like maybe you're going to abandon me or whatever it is. And I say to you, you look angry. Well, guess what? I'm probably the one that's angry. I'm probably the one that's bored. That's the projection. That's the projection. It's what you're feeling that you're projecting on somebody else. Um, and I'll get into this projection way more in the future. Um, so in the victim um, position is basically it's a it's a nonverbal blame pattern, which is fighting for the victim position. So under stress, what happens? Under stress, one or both people in the relationship perceive that they have been victimized. So think about when your relationship is under a shit ton of stress, okay? A shit ton, whatever it is. You both want to be the victim. And then the fight basically says, I am the bigger victim than you. And you say, you're the bigger victim than me. 
And most times, all these arguments are basically a race to occupy the victim slot. And then entanglement begins the moment you step out of an equal relationship with your partner and begin become an advocate for what? Your victimhood. So now you're entangled. You're entangled in what? Entanglement in being the victim. Who's going to win? Who's going to be the bigger victim? Sounds fun, right? No. Horrible. Then there's a, another unconscious um, deal that we make. Numbing out. It's basically when we both numb out. Okay? What we do is um, we reduce our sensations by what? Smoking, drinking, taking drugs. Okay? Um, you know, so if both partners agree to feel less or not feel at all, they will keep their feelings buried very deep so it's impossible to deal with them. And it's never effective because guess what? Eventually those buried feelings come to the surface. And usually, of course, it's when you least expect it. And so what happens is um, a, a special form of the numbing out occurs when we are run by guess who? That internal critic. You know, we're engaging in um, dialogue with this, you know, inner petty tyrant. We lose touch with reality. I named my inner critic Freddy Krueger. Freddy. Yeah. I say, not today, Freddy. You know what? Go to hell, Freddy. Your sweatshirt needs, your sweater needs mending. <laughs> You're dead. You're dead. I'm not listening to you. You are not going to, you know what? Take away my dreams anymore. Why did I name my inner critic Freddy Krueger? Because Freddy Krueger came to people, what, in their dreams, in their nightmares, and stole their lives, right? Yes. So what does an inner critic do? Steals your life. So I say to mine, no, 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 not today, Freddy. You just, you go back to where you came from and get a new damn sweater, and I, you stink too. You smell like shit, okay? And, and so name it. Name it. You know? We have all, we all have editors, critics running around in our heads and these busybodies rehearse, you know, what we should say, you know, criticize what we did say. And, and then what do we do also? The inner critic anticipates what somebody else is going to stay, say. And then this chatter, it cuts us off from the direct feedback that our intuition, our inner being, our guide, our soul within can feed us. So think of it like a large telephone switchboard. And there's only a few lines plugged in. And when we decide to stop listening to ourselves, we close doors that once opened to the aliveness and the creativity within ourselves. So when we cont continuously repeat, you know, and deny our sensations and feelings, what does it do? It leads us to flatness, to boredom, to numbness. There, you could get to a point where eventually you would get a hug and you would feel nothing. Literally nothing, right? Um, I, I I once asked a, a, one of my clients, well, how do you, you know what? How do you feel when your your husband is you know always drinking and in the 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 times he doesn't come home and what does that feel like? And do you know when I ask these hard questions, what does it feel like when this happens in your marriage? What does it feel like when this happens in the marriage? What about what does it feel like when this goes on? You know what they say? So much of the times, I don't feel anything anymore, Heather. I don't feel anything anymore. That's numbing out. That is you have went into apathy. And apathy is a scary place. And basically, it takes a lot for me to, you know, get them to process 
their feelings and reopen the door to the hurt and the anger. And you know what? Repeated traumas in childhood lead to later numbness in relationships, right? Um, so, you know, if you ever think, think back to, um, in childhood, did you ever feel like, um, okay, it, 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 was there any strategies you use that if you, if you don't move, if you don't breathe, if you, um, you know, like when I was a kid, one, you know, obviously I, I, most of you know my story, I was just full of fear, right? And so one of my things was, um, if I didn't put my feet over the bed when I was in, in my bed, right? If I kept my feet on the bed, the person under the bed would not get me. They wouldn't be able to get me. If I was really, really quiet and still, that person could not get me. And when you have severe early trauma, okay, um, you will start to numb out. And, and, and it's because you can't, the, the emotions become so overwhelming, right? And so what, would hap what happened to me was, and this was so long ago that I had them, but um, I had two recurring nightmares and I had two, and I'd, um, I would get night terrors, okay? And night terrors, I don't know if you've ever had them, but they are absolutely terrorizing. You cannot move. And you feel a person, a being, something in the room. And it's going to get you. Okay? And it's going to get you. And I'm just getting emotional thinking about it because they were terrorizing. And so, I, it was. It, you feel so out of control. And this is a direct reflection of what is going on in your subconscious mind. And... It, and when I would get them, you're laying there and you, you, the, I can't even tell you how frightened you are. You just know some, this, there's a being, there's something there coming to get you. And I would try to move and I was paralyzed. I could not move. You can't move. And I would finally get to a point where I would just scream, just come get me. Just fucking get me. Just take me now. Just take me. Kill me. And I'm and I still can't move. And then I got to a point where I could actually say, Heather, wake up, wake up, get up, get up. And I moved to that point of consciousness within the subconscious dream as I started to heal. And I haven't had a night terror in so many years. See, you have no, I, I can't explain I wish I could, like, really give it to you. I w if everybody could understand how much better their life could be through healing, nobody would be resistant to it. You would just do it. And you might not have had extreme things like I did, and, and one day I'll talk about my dreams and stuff, but healing is power. Healing is the most powerful thing you can do for your life. In every area of your life. That's the thing. When you heal, it's not just the relationships that heal. It's your business, your career, your finances, your health. 
Okay, so then the next one is power struggles, right? So one way to keep a codependent relation alive is through constant power struggle. Constant, constant, constant. It basically becomes one of conflict instead of exchanging positive energy. So it just becomes a deep and severe addiction. You know, the power struggles end the moment we take responsibility for our feelings and lives, but many people never freaking do it. They just stay entrapped in this freaking horrible drama triangle. Remember, the drama triangle contains the victim, the rescuer, the persecutor, two players, three roles. You guys go back and forth between either being... One is, you, you have a habitual role, either rescuer or victim, but you change places and you persecute the hell out of each other. Right? Um, now, the battle just becomes the focus of who's right, who's wrong, who makes the rules, who has the power to end the relationship. And basically... The relationship stayed alive because of all the adrenaline released in the struggle. And I have seen miracles occur when such struggled, addicted couples trade the adrenaline high of conflict for the smothered joys of self-discovery. And that's what I'm about. The joyous smothering of self-discovery. Power struggles are based on the perception of scarcity. It's not, there's nothing scarce in this world. It's never, ever Ever, the conflict is not about the content. It's not about what you think it's about. It's about not enough love, goodwill, respect, feeling abandoned. It's not, it's about whatever you fear. So we come out swinging. Remember the fear dance? Okay. So it seems like it's a, it's a rope pulling contest and you're both entrenched and you're basically furiously trying to pull the other person into your camp, right? And it's, it's just ugly, and it's ugly, and it goes on and on and on, right? Um, and so, and the three, you know, basic, the uh, three most common power struggles are sex, money, and children in that order. Sex, money, and children. With sex, the struggles are often about how much. How much are we having sex, you know? And the struggle is about with whom for some, right? Because sometimes you just got this cheater. Um you know, I had one client that just, they fought over whether he had slept with his other woman over 30 years ago. <laughs> and do you know, guess what? At 61, he confessed he did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, and money, of course, provides what? It's an exhaustible topic, you know. No one feels they have enough of it. Children basically keeps you locked in mortal combat. It's just, you know, and these the and and um, the most tragic of power struggles are those parents that use the children as pawns, you know. And then sometimes the codependent, um, you know, gets is gets sick or you know the, the accident. And a lot of the times, you know, I have seen it where honestly, clients have all of a sudden said that they had, um, I had one client, this is the truth. First, he had a shoulder injury. They went in and they said, well, there's nothing really wrong with your shoulder, but if somehow he got him to do the surgery, then that was, well, okay, that, that, that fixed. Well, then it was the knee. This client has had three knee surgeries. Um, okay, but that really didn't do it. The knee is still bad. Then, so we went back to the shoulder, back to the shoulder, then to the hip. I'm not, kid you not, kid you not, why that keeps him in the victim role. 
right? Okay, so there's a lot of energy for the rescuer to fix and help the victim. So, oh, yay. <laughs> Let's just keep getting sick. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. I see it over and over, right? So, um, you know, and, and then of course we see the disapproving and the critic, the pattern is, you know, the, the critical father, you marry the, you marry the man that was the same as your dad, you marry the woman. I, you know, I go through all of that in every group course with all of my clients, you know, um, you have to understand that these things dream just bring up massive 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 fear massive fear of abandonment massive fear of rejection massive fear of all of these things and what we do is remember the fear fear dance starts with i hurt i feel i want i react you hurt you feel you want you react and it just goes round and around and around one bad behavior followed by a bad reaction by another one and it just never stops and we recycle this you know so what happens is what i want you to understand is that we have this resistance to the very love that we desire we have resistance to the space and independence that we need so we go back and forth letting ourselves have one or the other and it, it's basically it's very hard for anyone to accept that it's their own resistance rather than the other people or the world that's responsible for their problems. You can do something about how your life goes. It boils down to this, really. Are you willing to have your relationships be a pathway to, you know, basically revealing yourself and your potential? If yes, you know what? Real intimacy can be yours on a daily basis. It really can. You know? You can illustrate intimacy while in a power struggle. You can demonstrate love while locked in this relationship. And when you demonstrate love and intimacy, when in the codependent relationship, slowly the lock begins to unlock. Can one person heal the relationship? I've seen it done. And I've also seen it where, unfortunately, the other person is so stuck in their victimhood. And it's usually the victim, okay, in the codependent relationship that doesn't want to let go of the victimhood. And the um, other person, as they heal, has no choice but to make a clear, conscious decision that this isn't going to work. Now, if you have somebody that is not stuck in victimhood as a partner or, or a spouse, yes, you can change the relationship on your own. And you will figure out real quick if this person's stuck in victimhood. Okay? So, um, and in my group course, Heal Yourself Relationships in Life, I basically help you heal all of this. And by the end of that group course, you will have clarity on what to do with your relationship. And if you're not married to a perpetual victim or in a relationship with a victim slash codependent um, on the narcissistic side of codependency or a full-blown narcissist, you can heal that relationship.
and I'm in the group course, I concentrate on helping you heal, teaching you tools, um, looking at your inner child. Everything, this group course is basically what I will do with somebody one-on-one, -on -one, but you don't have 10 calls with me. And it is life-changing. Are you ready to stop this pattern? If yes, click on the link in the comment section. Learn more about this course. Take advantage of the fact that I do give my podcaster listeners 50% off. There's 10 of those spots available. Take advantage of it. If you are ready, if you've been listening to me, you know me. If you want to you wanna speak to me before you want to um, you know, decide on the course, email me. But do something. I only ask that you do something because this is a horrible way to live and it doesn't have to be. That is why I have created so many options for you to be able to heal. Working with me one-on-one -on -one, in a group course, my inner healing community, you don't have to stay stuck. It's your choice. I love you. I care. The link in to register for the course with an October 2nd start date is in the comment section, is in the show notes section. EB50, 50% off the course, plus a plethora of other bonuses. You won't find that discount on my Instagram or my LinkedIn. Take, t love yourself enough to say yes to healing because healing is powerful. It is the most powerful gift you can give yourself. I love you, I care. Until next time.